Hi, and welcome to For This Child, I Have Prayed. This is a podcast where faithful women share their journey to motherhood and how it has been marked by the goodness of God. Whether you are struggling with infertility, wrestling with postpartum, or navigating adoption, my prayer is that you are encouraged and uplifted by their testimonies of just how faithful our Creator truly is. In today's episode, Tina will be sharing her journey to motherhood that began with infertility and how through the doubt and heartache, she got to experience his intimate love and that there truly is no one like our God. Now let's meet Tina. Hi, Tina. Welcome to the show. Thank you so much for being here. Thanks so much for having me, Heather. I'm so happy to be here. Oh, I'm so excited. So Tina is a dear friend of mine. I met her when I was living in Charleston. She is one of the sisters. If you have listened to an earlier episode with Brittany, she is a sister to, well, really one birth order of three (laughs) sisters that are very dear to me. And like Brittany, I have shed many tears on Tina's couch and has just opened up. I've been able to open up my heart to Tina and her story has really touched me, affected me. I told her just last week when I got to see her that I stand by her testimony. I claim her testimony as my own. And um, I'm really excited for the listeners to get to hear that story. So before we get started, would you like to officially introduce yourself to our listeners? Absolutely. My name is Tina. I'm from Minnesota originally, but I currently live in South Carolina with my husband, Chris, and our four children. We have three girls and a little boy and a dog named Dozer. And I worked for most of my life in, this is kind of nerdy, but in like healthcare data analytics and consulting. And so I hung up that hat a few years ago and I stand with my kids now, which has been challenging in some ways, but also super rewarding. Um, yeah, I've always wanted to be a mom. So I'm really glad that I get to be able to do that now. That's awesome. That's fantastic. All right. So I know for today, you're going to be telling your journey to motherhood of your first child. Mm -hmm. So would you like to go ahead and share that story? Absolutely. I, like I said, have always, always wanted to be a mom. In fact, (laughs) I joke, but when people would ask me what I wanted to do when I grew up, I never listed out a job, but instead would be like, I'm going to be a mom. Like it was the most obvious thing. (laughs) Like what I felt like I was made to do. I am the oldest of five children in my family growing up. And so I often felt like I was a mini mom to my siblings and I was, whether they liked it or not. (laughs) And I started babysitting. You won't believe this at age nine for not only my family, but for other people's families. I just felt like whatever way I looked at it, nature or nurture, I was sure that God had made me to be a mother. And I was excited to be a mom. I would go to bed with like, when I was a little Carol, like all my babies lined up, you know, tucked in beside me. I have pictures of it. I just, I always, always, always felt like such a caretaker. And when I met my husband, he also well, I, when I met him, he wanted a family too. And we went to the same Christian school together. I grew up in a Christian home and we were excited that at some point we were going to have a family together and we were, we were pumped about it. But 
I um, I decided, I was like, can we just like wait for a little bit though after we get married? Because I joked that I just needed like a few years off from being a mini mom to my younger brothers and sisters before I actually had kids of my own. I just wanted to, you know, have like a few months or a few years of just no parenting. It's just a joke. But we eventually decided like, okay, a few years into marriage, we were ready. We wanted to have a baby we had friends that were starting to start their families and a lot of our couple friends were starting their families and we're like, I think we're ready. Like, this is good. But I should share some backstory. I, along with my sister, have endometriosis. I was diagnosed actually four months um, into being married. And, um, but I had thought I had had it before then. And in fact, it's such a weird disease, but a lot of times what doctors will do until you're diagnosed is they'll just put you on birth control to sort of like, control your symptoms and to sort of slow the progression of the disease. So I had been on birth control for about 11 years as a way to help with symptom management. And um, I knew that going off birth control would, I, I, my body might take a little bit of time to like get that out of my system and to regulate. But I also knew that going off birth control would um, potentially make my symptoms really rough because I had terrible, terrible cramping. And um, I knew it would also potentially make my disease worse because endometriosis grows each time you have your menstrual cycle. So when you're um, on birth control, it sort of like limits how much you bleed or it sort of just stops it from getting worse. So I was like, okay, if we're going to go off birth control, let's just go ahead and like, let's get pregnant that first month. Like then I don't have to worry about symptoms. I won't have cramps. I won't have to miss work. I'll just, and you know, then my endometriosis won't get any worse. So ideally that would have been great, but that is not what happened. So I, uh, I, I joke about it, but I, I went off birth control and traded the birth control for what I like to call Tina control because I literally went, um, and did anything I possibly could to try to make my body the most, in the most optimal state it could be for pregnancy. I would eat it. I would eat differently. I cut out certain foods. I added certain foods. I cut out alcohol. I cut out caffeine. I started taking supplements. I started working out not too much, but not too little. I, you know, I wanted to not lose too much. You know, I didn't want to get too skinny, but I didn't want to like gain extra weight. I did like whatever, like the perfect thing was, I wanted to figure out what it was going to be. And I was going to do it because I was going to make my body get pregnant. (laughs) you know, like it's that simple. And I also, um, I started monitoring my basal body temperatures and going to acupuncture. And I mean, if someone suggested something, I would have done it. I don't know anything. I would have done anything. At one point I remember texting a friend of mine who had gotten pregnant and she was like, I really hope we can be pregnant together. And I'm like, yeah, me too. I'm like, well, what I'm trying now because then this other stuff was working. I was like, I'm just going to eat a bunch of potato chips and maybe I'll just gain weight and maybe that will help. <laughs> but you know, the point was nothing that I was doing was really the trick, right? Like that wasn't the point. Um, so each month I would, you know, track my temperatures, I'd monitor my symptoms. And, you know, that was really fun because then you start Googling like, Ooh, like I'm a little bloated. I wonder if that's an early sign of pregnancy. I'll just like write that one down. Oh, actually my head's a little itchy. Maybe that's an early sign of pregnancy or, you know, like tell me something that's any symptom that you might have or my, my, my eyes twitching. I wonder if I'm more tired. I must be pregnant. Like (laughs) so silly, you know, but you're just, I'm so I was so desperate to want to be pregnant that I really, and so in tune with what my body was doing that I was ready for any sort of like feedback that, yes, this was, I was pregnant. Um, But sadly, 
month after month, my basal body temperatures would drop and I knew my period was on the way. And of course, I took pregnancy tests to be sure, but they were just a confirmation of what I already knew that I wasn't pregnant. For those unfamiliar with the process of tracking basal body temperatures, I used the book Taking Charge of Your Fertility, which it's a very good book. It has a lot of good information about fertility in general and like natural family planning. And I highly recommend it. I, uh, I was not doing well with like having control. I was having control issues, obviously. So this book, I think while the process can be really helpful for some people, it actually was probably somewhat traumatic and problematic for me as I was way too honed in into what my body was doing and like probably made me a lot more anxious about the process each month. But anyway, so this book, it has you track your basal body temperatures each day before getting out of bed. And then this process would show if I was ovulating, which actually some months I wasn't. So I was glad for that information, but for most of the time I was, and it would also indicate by a drop in my temperatures that I wasn't pregnant. I learned during this process with the help of an acupuncturist who specialized in fertility that my cycle was also too long. There's an ideal time, like length of cycle. So I went to regular acupuncture treatments that helped my cycle length shorten and become more optimal, which I had no idea that was even a thing I had to think about. But it's really fascinating, the process of like just seeing what your body does each month and how your body like is primed for a pregnancy and what you do and and how everything has to sort of work together inside your body. It's really, it's really cool and really remarkable. Um, But around this time, uh, you know, my taking charge, taking control, all that. Uh, everyone else around me seemed to be getting pregnant without any like hardship at all. You know, I had friends who would get pregnant, you know, first time they first month off birth control or when they got pregnant, they're like, Oh, whoops, we got pregnant this month. Like, I'm like, huh, so, so happy for you. <laughs> and I was, you know, I was so happy, but I also was like, it was like, I was gut punched every time, you know, like the feeling of wanting to be so full of joy and like rejoice rejoice with your friends and then also feel like what's wrong with me like is something wrong with me like what god what's going on here and um especially was hard when i would and there would be random friends could be pregnant random people you hear about when i when our closest couple friends were getting pregnant that was when it was the hardest because we were doing life with these people and then they were moving on past our stage. And that was really hard too. And it was kind of like, you know, when you get a new car and you suddenly notice that like everyone else has your same car and you're like, I didn't realize this car was so popular. It was like, I noticed everyone that was pregnant, you know, even, and so even though I didn't have the car yet, I was noticing that all these, even though I didn't have the baby yet, I, everyone around me seemed to be pregnant. Not true, obviously, but it just felt like that. And, um, in that space of just feeling like, I had, I was the only one not getting pregnant. I felt like I had to hide that away. You know, I, I, the doubt or the agony or the loss or the longing or the heartache, I felt like I was alone. And I I know that I wasn't, but it was kind of like, I almost was ashamed of, um, or like ashamed of it in some ways, but I also didn't want to like open up about it with other people because I didn't want there to even really be a problem in some ways too. So I just, I can't, I shoved it all inside and I talked to my husband about it, but most of the time it would just like, I would just try to hide it. And that didn't work out very well because that just fueled worry. Uh, 
And though that would just, that rate just grew over the months as I continued to just kind of like, okay, another month, we'll just do it again. Another month, I'll just shove the loss inside. I'll shove all the grief inside. It'll be fine. It didn't work well, but I should go back. Like I, I talk about having, wanting to have a lot of control and I did, but I also believe that Jesus has really intervened in my life and I really trust him. So I had been praying throughout this whole time too. It wasn't like I was neglecting that side. I just, I realized later now looking back that the control part was so strong for me. Um, but I really did try to stand on God's promises and I had seen in my lifetime, God show up so miraculously and answer my prayers so specifically. So I knew that God was more than able. I knew that he could provide, but that made each month of my negative pregnancy tests all the more painful because where was God in this then? If you God have provided for me so specifically in the past, if you do answer prayers, if I see you showing up all, you know, in the Bible for all these people, so specifically, and then not coming for me, it doesn't, I don't understand. Whereas the, it's a tension I had to live in and I didn't quite know um, how to process that. So I wrote in my journal that it, I looked back through my journal, which was kind of fun. Um, which I recommend side note journal through like through the process. That was a really good therapeutic way for me to kind of get some of my worry out uh, from stewing inside of my body. But um, I felt like God was quiet. It seemed like he just wasn't hearing our prayers. And um, it what I wrote was it felt like he wasn't providing for what he had made me for. Like you, God, I feel like nature or, or nurture, whatever I looked at it, I thought that you, I knew you had made me to be a mother. And here I was trying to be a mother to follow what I felt like you were made, what you had made me to do. And I, I felt like he wasn't providing for that. So <laughs> I wish I could say I just kept the faith and then wham, got pregnant, but that just wasn't what happened. <laughs> I doubted and I worried and I cried out to God more than I ever have. And I just, I poured myself into his word. And so if I felt like God had made me to be a mother, I had to give it back to him. Lord, I release my control. I remember like I let, I finally, I finally let go. Lord, your will be done. You made me. If it's your will that I'm going to be a, par a parent, I'm going to be a mother, then make it be so. And then if not, Lord, then you work in me to willing to, and to act according to what you want for your good purposes, either change me or change my outcome. And then I left it there open-handed. This was my place of surrender. And it was in this place where I finally felt like God was like, all right, now you can stand on faith. Like, okay. Like, I don't know why, but it was as soon as I let it go, God led me <laughs> to stand completely and often against what made sense on his faithfulness. And it was that October, it was about I don't know, a month or two shy of one year of trying for a baby. So it hadn't been the whole, hadn't been a year yet, but almost. And I felt like God had led me to declare, this is the month to ask, to ask specifically, to act on faith, to pray specifically. I don't know why. I've only ever felt that strongly about something that didn't make logical sense one other time in my life where I've stepped out in faith like that. But I was like, okay, Lord. I'm going to go with it. And I did. I wrote verses on note cards that I, I were going to be my truth fuel. 
So I would put them up everywhere, like my car, my desk, like literally on the dashboard of my car where I'd like see it when I was driving. I, I put it in my purse. I put it on my mirror. I put it on my dresser. Anywhere I was going to spend any time, I had fuel, truth fuel. And so whenever a little, um, like a voice of doubt would come in my mind, like maybe it's not this month, uh, like whatever the, whatever the lie would be or whatever the doubt would be, I would, f- whatever verse would be in front of me, because there's always this one, I would read it. Or I'd say, get out of here, you lie. You don't get to live here. And I'd take a camp to, and I'd cast it out and I'd read the verse. And uh, that was just like the process of me trying to just not let doubt have any seed in my mind. And I don't know why I, I've not like, that's not how I live normally. That was just how I felt God was leading me in that space and time in that month. And um, I actually found some of my note cards recently. Um, I found my purse one, which was quite, uh, you know, bent and uh, <laughs> I mean, dirty from the bottom of my purse, but I will just share a few of the verses that I had written down. Psalm 77, 13 through 14. Your ways, God, are holy. What God is as great as our God? You are the God who performs miracles. You display your power among the peoples. Psalm 94, 18 through 19. When I said my foot is slipping, your unfailing love, Lord, supported me. When anxiety was great within me, your consolation brought me great joy. John 14, 1. Do not let your hearts be troubled. Trust in God. Trust also in me. I actively placed my trust in God, placed my desires in his hand. I journaled that it was actually a great two plus weeks of trusting him. The start of the month, I was so hopeful. And then ovulation took place. And then the waiting, the dreaded two week wait after ovulation. It was the hardest part of the whole process. During this time, there was no way to know whether or not we conceived and we just had to wait and trust and pray and hope. And October 30th, a few weeks after ovulation, I started to feel cramps, just like my normal menstrual cramps. And I had pain in my low back, just like PMS. And my heart dropped into my stomach. I was heartbroken. Another month seemed to be lost. I I failed is what I wrote in my journal. And this one, this month hurt the worst because I had so believed that God was telling me that this was the month. I couldn't take it. I was overcome by emotions strange emotions, foolishness, despair, anger, confusion, loss, worry, defeat, anguish. I broke down. I felt so strongly that God was leading us to stand on faith, but then to experience such a letdown, I couldn't stop crying. I remember vividly on my knees, on my bed, holding my the like headboard of my bed and like with fists, And I remember just yelling at God, yelling out to God, what are you doing? Please, God, please. Why did you leave me to step out in faith? Where are you? I feel like a fool. I feel like I'm tricked. I feel like you've let me down. I remember just yelling. And and Chris and I, we, we both just, we wailed together and wept and cried out to God together. And that night, and finally, you know, I don't, I mean, I'm, it might've been hours. Finally, my tears dried up. I was pretty sure I cried them all. But what's crazy is I wasn't, um, I wasn't angry anymore. Uh, I was still a little sad, but in the midst of like the sadness in the midst of the sorrow, God just like wrapped me in his arms 
and comforted me. And I'm not sure how, but I just had, I just felt peace. Like, okay. It was a lot. It was, it's okay. And God still got me. And I knew that. Uh, The next day I was still sad. My basal body temperature dropped. So I thought, okay, I'm at peace now, but I, you know, my period's coming. This is really happening. But it was like early. My attempts weren't supposed to drop for maybe three more days or so. Um, So I thought, okay, I just need to take a pregnancy test. It's early, but I just need to take one. And then I just need to put it out of my mind. I just need to, to stop speculating. And I called Chris at work and I was like, can you just please pick up a pregnancy test? I can't go to the store and do it myself. It was just too emotional. Like we just bring one home. And so he did. And I didn't take one that night because, you know, it just was like, I, I don't know. It was just too much. I couldn't do it. And then I was in the back of my mind. I'm like, well, you're just supposed to take them in the morning. So I'm just going to take it in the morning. You know, just the little like seed of hope, you know, maybe. <laughs> um, so anyway, I was, it was hard to sleep and I was pretty sure I wasn't pregnant, but I had this small seed of hope. I didn't know for sure I wasn't. And so I knew that God, he could still provide. He, the God of miracles, like my truth cards were telling my, my truth fuel was telling me the God of miracles could still provide for us. The next morning I woke up, but Chris was already up before me. And I just, uh, you know, just laid in bed for like a really long time, not wanting to actually face the test. I didn't, I didn't really actually take the test yet. So I just laid there for a really long time. And I, I remember just keeping my eyes closed and just praying like, please let the test say pregnant. God, we please let the test stay pregnant. Please, God. I know you're able. I know you can do it. Please. And I just over and over, over and over, just please, God, like a little child is asking. Like, and um, and finally, like when I could stay in bed no longer because I had to go to work, I got up and I knew God could do it. And I took the test by myself. Chris was not in the room, and I uh and I just, I don't even think I told him I was taking the test. I didn't, didn't want the pressure of him being in there or the, like, I needed to feel, I needed to like know it before he did for some reason. And, um, so I tried to distract, distract myself because, you know, like those three minutes of waiting are just like the worst ever. And you don't want to stare at the test, but then you can't really get distracted uh, because you're still thinking about it the entire time. So I, uh, busied myself with something else and. I was excited for the confirmation of what I thought I knew, which was that I wasn't pregnant. But I also like kind of felt like somewhere not in my not logical part of my brain that I didn't need to look at the pregnancy test because that part of my soul knew I was pregnant. So there was like this, I don't know, this split between what logically should be and what I knew God was doing or what he could do in my, in my body and so the test would be the, the, the show, like, would it be the logical, what should happen or would it be, would God show up? So three minutes later, I walk over to the pregnancy test and it said pregnant. I couldn't believe it. I mean, I, I knew God could do it in my gut, but it went against everything that made sense. Every data point was pointing towards not pregnant. I but it, there it was, pregnant. I scream out to my husband. I'm like, Chris, <laughs> I, you have to see this. And we just like stood there 
like dumbfounded. Like you shouldn't even say anything. We're like, is it, he's like, did you take it right? Is it, did you do it right? <laughs> Are you sure? I'm like, I don't know. <laughs> but we were so humbled and just like, like, I don't know, just like the experience of God's faithfulness just washed over us and just humbled us so much that the test would say pregnant, that God would answer my prayer, even though it was against all odds. I, I, I went around that whole day with like this, like, um, I mean, you still, I still was like, was it, was it a fluke? I don't know. Somewhere in my like brain, you know, I should take another test, but somewhere just like this little, like giddy little thing. And like this little excitement was starting to brew inside of my heart. Like God is, God did it. And so I took a few more tests, probably like way too many the following days, um, because I still had cramps, but they all tested positive every single one. Praise the Lord. And so we slowly started to share the news with others uh, through, and then through tears, through the process of sharing our story, of sharing our journey of this process. I realized that like my story was intertwined with God's story. My story was a reflection of his faithfulness. My positive pregnancy was inseparable from God's provision. To him be the glory. I could take no credit. No Tina control had anything to do. Like it was all God. And he, every time we told anyone our story, we got to share about him. And it was so beautiful. And it still brings me to tears thinking about like just how, uh, how hard it was, but how beautiful that process was of him being able to get the glory and to bring such beauty out of a situation that was like, could not have been without him. And eventually we found out we were having a girl. And then a few months later, I went into labor naturally on my due date. The control part of me was really like, really happy about that. <laughs> and I was excited, you know, but um, I was great. I was grateful for this process of getting pregnant, of walking through the pregnancy, the months of dependence on the Lord, because each step in that each day, each minute, my reliance on the Lord for my child's life had to increase. Like I could do everything I could to try to make my body healthy for my baby, but I couldn't force this child to grow or to make it to full term or to ensure that my daughter would even survive. That was on him. And I had been, the Lord had taught me trust through my process of getting pregnant so that when I was actually pregnant, I just was, it was so easy for me to be like, Lord, this is yours. I have not, it's yours. You have it all. And I'm so grateful for that process. And, um, it's a good thing too, because, um, you know, life, it continues to be hard with children. So I just am so grateful that the Lord continues to remind me, even through reading, through reviewing like this process and reflecting on this in my own life this week, it's like, oh yeah, God, you, every, my children are yours. Like remind me that I, the control I think I have, I do not. <laughs> um, but I go back, let me go back. So anyway. I, um, I knew that God had planned for my child to be born and that he had made her. And I knew that I had to trust his hand was on her and that he would protect her. And I'm glad because I had a pretty rough delivery. Um, I decided to have a natural birth in the hospital and it was fine, except, um, when it came time to push fine, because like, it was really hard. It was not just like not an enjoyable, (laughs) but it was, I mean, I'm glad I went through it. But when it came time to push my daughter, um, she became stuck in my birth canal and I was exhausted and she wouldn't budge. 
and her heart rate was dropping and it wasn't looking good. And they told me that I had maybe one or two more pushes before they would rush me to an emergency C-section. And I pushed with all my might. I burst all the blood vessels in my eyes and in my face, a tons in my face, all over my chest. I pushed so hard um, because I mean, like her life was on the line and I was like, get her out. Like I was, and thankfully the doctor who I was skilled in his, what he did, he was able to, with some interventions of some sort, get her out really quickly. And they freed her from my birth canal and she entered the world alive. Come to find out, um, I was, she had become lodged in my birth canal with her arm above her head and her shoulder had gotten stuck and she couldn't move. And, and she, she wasn't a super large baby, but she was big for me. And so it just wasn't a great situation, um, for, for her or for me. And I was sharing my story with, uh, NP because I had some complications from the interventions that they had to do afterwards that, um, so I was telling my nurse practitioner about it, uh, a while ago, maybe it was actually sometime this year. And she was like, hold on. Did you know how much of a miracle your daughter's life is? And I was like, what do you mean? And she's like, I worked in labor and delivery for years. And I have seen deliveries where the baby gets stuck and it does not turn out well. It does not turn out the way that yours did. Your daughter is a miracle. And, <laughs> and I didn't, I knew that God's hand was on her. Remember, like I, I had let go of my control, but to have her, this nurse tell me this within this last year, I got chills. Like, God, like she was yours. She is yours. You were the one that saved her. Like, I didn't know how serious it was. Thank the Lord. I didn't know. But um, that was just a really wild experience to see like that God's hand really was not only on her timing, on her birth, on her pregnancy, like growth in my body, on her delivery, like he had her. And when they put her on my chest, like the feeling of that, of like the real, um, the, the provision of God breathing, you know, crying on me. I just like, there was nothing better in the whole world. Nothing. And, not only, and like the process of birthing a baby is so magical in some ways too. Like just the whole thing, like I just couldn't stop crying. It was, um, she was here, she was alive, she was healthy. And to God be the glory. Like he was so faithful. I was so grateful. And my favorite part of the story is that a few days later, when Chris and I were just charged from the hospital and we were like, are you sure? Like, we don't really know what we're doing. Uh, we <laughs> like, yeah, go on home. And you know, the other embarrassing thing is because we like had never done that before. We had so much stuff we brought with us, <laughs> you know, like games, <laughs> I, I mean, I laugh because I didn't know how long the pregnancy would take and it, or the, the um, delivery would take, and it didn't take that long. So I just had way too much stuff. So many snacks. <laughs> so much stuff. Okay. I digress. Um, anyway, here we were, new parents. We were so careful. We drove home so slowly. And then right before we pull onto our street to be greeted at our house by, we had like a welcome committee at our house of people that were excited to meet and to see our baby. We were like, we can't go yet. And we pulled off into this parking lot at up the park right by our house. And we were like, we got to just, we got to just thank God. Real quick. Like we're almost home with this, like this gift. And so we sat there and we just, again, we just like sobbed 
like, God, you have been so faithful. You were so good to us. We don't deserve it. <laughs> you were so good to love us and to, to hear our prayers and to provide our daughter and to keep her safe and healthy. And um, we just, yeah, we sat there. I, I don't know how long, but it felt like forever. And what was funny, like we were like filming, I'm pretty sure, like on our camcorder, because this was, I don't know, 10 years, 11 years ago. We had a camp, like filming the drive home, you know. That's <laughs> so silly to think about. But I'm like filming Ellie and like filming the outside and we're going to film our welcome committee. And we like put the camera down. I'm pretty sure it's still kept recording I should go back and try to find it because we like pulled over and like wanted to have this minute with God and it was a while but I remember thinking um like who is like our God who is like our God and as I was reflecting on this um on that that moment this week I was like I gotta look up that verse because I can't remember where it's from and Heather this is wild God is so timeless because, and I just have to read where this, this, I'm going to read the verses around this. Who, it's from Psalm 113, five through nine. Who is like the Lord, our God, the one who sits enthroned on high, who stoops down to look on the heavens and the earth. He raises the poor from the dust and lifts the needy from the ash heap. He seats them with princes, with the princes of his people. He settles the childless, childless woman in her home as a happy mother of children. He settles the childless woman in her home as the happy mother of children. Praise the Lord. That, that was the verse. That was the chapter. Like how, yes, this is the God I know. The one who makes a way where there was no way. He is faithful. He settled me, a childless woman, against all odds, like who shouldn't, like didn't seem like was ever gonna get pregnant in my home as a happy mother of now four children. I am so humbled and so grateful. And as I reflect back now on this process, on this pathway to pregnancy and motherhood, it wasn't easy. There was a lot of heartache and a lot of disappointment and grief and anger and worry. And I know there are others out there that have waited or are waiting much longer than I did to get pregnant. And I know that everyone's journey to motherhood is so different. But I guess that's what makes each of our stories so beautiful. They're meant for each of us to draw us closer to God, to increase our reliance on him, to teach us about him, to remind us that he's the one in control of all things, including our lives. So I just want to encourage our, the, your listeners, Heather, like to reflect on, reflect on your own story because remembering God's faithfulness in our past helps us to rely on his faithfulness in our present. Remembering his faithfulness in our past helps us to rely on his faithfulness in our present. Whatever we're facing, looking back at what he's done will help us to fuel our faith as we move forward, trusting in his faithfulness in our present. What God is like our God. He is the one that's able. And I, I just, and I, if, for the women out there that are in a season of waiting, I just have, I just want to say, I'm sorry. It's a hard place to be in. It hurts. And I, I feel with you in that. And I pray that God would meet you there, that you would have an experience of, of him moving in your life in a way that brings you just the of his faithfulness, the, the, just the weightiness of how amazing he is. And, um, I would just encourage 
women who are in that season of waiting to find a friend or two to bring into the process because I wish I would have done that. I felt so alone. And hardship and grief, they demand a witness. We are meant to walk through life with others and to comfort each other and to encourage one another, encourage one another and to pray with one another. And while I can't promise that your story or whomever's story will, will have the same ending as mine, I can promise that God will weave beauty into your story and from your story and that he will not waste your pain. And I just also want to say, if there are people out there that are listening that don't know God, that don't know him intimately, that haven't experienced the touch of his hand like this, like seek him. He promises that when we seek him, we will find him with all of our heart. And I can promise you there is nothing better than knowing him. He is so good and so faithful. And for those that do know him, I pray that he would reveal more of himself to you, that you would see him move in miraculous ways and that you remember whatever season you're in, that God can be trusted. Please let my story be an encouragement for you and your story to trust God. He has always been faithful and he will always be faithful to him. Be the glory. Wow, Tina. Amen. Everyone, we just sat through a <laughs> Tina sermon and it was amazing. My heart is on fire. How awesome is our God? So many thoughts, but I wanted, I mean, I was like at the edge of my seat, so I didn't want to interrupt. But one, I told y'all her story was so relatable. I mean, it's <laughs> so relatable to me. And I think so many women listening to this totally can relate to that Tina control, Heather control, Sarah yes. control, insert your name control, but God. And mm -hmm. I think that a lot of women, you know, we hold a lot of things. We think that we hold a lot of things in fist and that we can control. And I think God allows us to go on this journey so that we learn to surrender and learn that from the very beginning of trying to conceive that we are in control mm -hmm. and everything is His. So just like what you said, you know, you learned that He was faithful then, He'll be faithful now, and that you weren't in control of trying to get pregnant no matter what you thought, no matter what you read, no matter what you did. He was only in control. So you knew that during that delivery, during that labor, he was in control then and that mm -hmm. you have surrendered your children to him now. Mm -hmm. And I love how you said he was faithful then. Like you were looking back on all the different miracles that have come true, all the different ways that he stood to be faithful and fulfilled his promises. This is no different. He will do the same now. And that's what I try to keep reminding myself. You know, it, he put these desires in our hearts. He put these desires in our hearts and he wants good things for his children. Mm -hmm. So I will definitely include in the show notes, um, there's different scripture of truths okay. that you you spoke of um, because I'm going to write them down. Those truth fuels, I'm going to put them yeah, everywhere good. as well. I think that is a, a great little, a great tip. Uh, and I love that revelation that you had as well of our story is ultimately his story. Mm -hmm. 
And I love that all these years later, a decade later, your testimony is still having such a huge impact Mm -hmm. on me, on so many others. And also that you're learning more of how much of a miracle it was, you know, that your NP 10 years later was like, wait, do you even understand how much of a miracle? I think that's amazing. And only God can do that. Um, And lastly, I, I, you had mentioned while you were on your infertility journey of how you did not want to talk about it. You felt ashamed. Um, You didn't want to bring others in. And we've spoken on other episodes about how important community is and how I believe that's the enemy trying to hold you back. Um, Mm -hmm. Because when two or more are together and and pray, miracles happen. God Mm -hmm. hears us. Uh, so I loved how you mentioned at the end how you, you know, anyone listening, you recommend that they tell a friend, get in community, share. You are not alone. And that's my hope and prayer for this podcast as yes. well. Of And that's why I truly believe it's a God thing that I'm able to do this because the norm would be keep this to yourself. This is a shameful thing. Um, You don't want to be part of this club, Um, but it's the complete opposite. And God is no respecter of persons. Ladies, what he did for Tina, he can do for you. And that's Mm -hmm. why I say I claim Tina's testimony as my own. What he did for her, he can and he will do for me. So, I am fired up, Tina. I'm just so grateful for this podcast. I wish it would have been around when I was... Uh, trying to get pregnant. I think it's just such an encouragement and to surround yourself with stories of women who have just experienced God in mighty and beautiful and different ways in their path to motherhood. I just, I love it, Heather. God bless you in this ministry. It's awesome. Thank you. Thank you so much. And I know we are almost out of time, but one more thing you you spoke of um, for those who are believers and non-believers seek God. And I just want to remind all of us that no matter what happens, what desires we have in our hearts, what we're waiting for, no matter what happens, and I am struggling with this, so I am speaking this over myself as well, God has already given us the greatest gift of all, and that's our salvation through His Son, Jesus Christ. So no matter what happens, we already have all that we need. Anything else is just a cherry on the top. It's true. Well, it's Tina, true. will you do us the honor and pray us out, maybe specifically praying for that woman who sees herself in you, relates so much to your story, and may be on a similar journey to yours? Yes, absolutely. Heavenly Father, oh, we praise you, God, who is like you. You, God, are the God of miracles. You are above all things, and you hold all things together. Our times are in your hands. You are the creator of all things, including our lives. Thank you for your faithfulness, for how you care for each of us and draw us closer to you through the ups and downs of our lives. You remain. You are constant. You never change. I pray for the women listening who may be in need of a tender touch from you, a reminder of your goodness and of your faithfulness. Please reveal yourself and your love to them. And I pray, Lord, for the women that are waiting for your provision, waiting for you to fulfill the desires of their heart, Lord. I pray that um, my story would be an encouragement to them um, to trust you, Lord, to lay out their needs before you, Lord. And I'm so grateful, Lord, that you write our stories differently, that what works 
how you worked in my life is not going to be how you're going to work in Heather's and, and the next person and the next person and more because you are so um, creative and beautiful and you speak to our hearts specifically and you work in our lives specifically. Thank you for that, God. I pray for the women who are in waiting, the women who desire so much to have a baby, Lord. I thank you for the way that you've created us to want that. I thank you for how you've created us to be mothers and I, um, how you've made our bodies to be so amazing to be able to even grow a baby, Lord. I just pray a blessing over those women in the season of waiting, that they would grow in trust, that they would grow in their, um, in their contentment, and that they would grow in their, um, their patience. Lord, I pray that you would fulfill their desires of their heart, Lord, that you would make a way where there is no way, that you would prove your faithfulness, Lord, that you would write their story in your beautiful way, and that you would just continue, Lord, to reveal yourself to us, Lord. Thank you that you can be found. Thank you that when we seek you, we will find you. And thank you, Lord, that you love us so unconditionally. Thank you for Jesus dying for us so that we could be with you forever. Thank you for Heather, and thank you for this podcast, and thank you for this ministry, Lord. I bless it in your name, and I bless Heather, Lord. I pray over her, Lord, in your name, that you would just grant her the desires of her heart, too. And we just um, we give our time to you, Lord. We um, surrender our control, and we, uh, Lord, we just give you the praise and the glory. In your name, Jesus. Amen. Amen. Thank you so much, Tina, for coming on the podcast and sharing your journey to motherhood. And thank you listeners for taking the time to tune in today. If Tina's testimony encouraged you or you know a woman in your life that needs to hear this story, please be sure to share it with them. And if you haven't already left a star review wherever you listen to your podcast, if you could please go ahead and leave one, I would be so grateful. My hope and prayer is that this show inspires and uplifts every woman on her journey to motherhood and high ratings help make that possible. And last but certainly not least, if you or a friend or family member would like to share your story on the For This Child I Have Prayed podcast, I would be so honored to have you. There's a form in the show notes that you can fill out and then I will be in touch. Until next time, remember that God has a plan for you. There's a miracle in the making and I'll be praying for you. Bye.